0: Hello and welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. My guest this week is Mike Pritchett, the founder of Shootstar. They are disrupting the video industry by combining tools, technology, education and expertise to simplify the video production process to enable people everywhere to make quality video content at scale that's ready to share in just 24 hours. Mike grew up obsessed with video, always filming his friends, doing skateboarding tricks, and back then it was on VHS. He founded his first production company in 2006, working on big budget video projects when he was challenged by one of his clients to create a scalable and affordable video solution. So he created Shootster, a customized video kit and training platform, teaching clients to capture their own video, then use Shootster's editing team to turn his content around within 24 hours, achieving the perfect combination of in-house and outsourced video production. So I'm going to ask Mike, why the hell did he decide to set this business up? And why is this business model so elegant? And how is it disrupting the advertising agency industry today? And what are the stories and or case studies that he can point to where people have actually improved their business communication, both internally, externally, to clients, to staff, to customers, Helping these businesses operate better, faster, and by the way, at a cheaper price. This is a real disruption. So let's get into it. Mike Pritchett, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you very much for having me. Or should I say, should star. Yes, indeed. Where the hell does that name come from, Shootster? I know, I mean, it's obviously filming, photography, whatever. Tell me that about that one.
1: Yeah, definitely. I get asked a lot about the name, and and like most things, the honest truth in it is that you search about a thousand different names to try and find one that actually has a domain available. And uh, my brother and I were having a chat as I was driving along in the car, and I was trying to come up with different names. I had all the ridiculous ones, from Purple Monkey Productions to, to who knows what, and, uh, and he said, Oh, you've just got to think about shooting it. Shoot yourself in the foot, you know, shoot yourself, but not in the foot. What can we, and I just thought, shoot, 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 gangster, shootster. Uh, it was that simple. And I literally pulled over and, uh, and Googled the name and, uh, the domain was available. So the reality is anyone that started a business knows how hard it is to find a domain that's available these days.
0: Our listeners like to know how the hell Mike Pritchett got into this business. I mean, what well, Where'd you come from? Like, are you a Sydney bloke or what's your deal?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sydney bloke. So I uh, grew up Northern beaches and North shore of Sydney, uh, always, uh, lived here, spent a lot of time traveling, uh, as most Aussies do, left school and, and ran off around the world. Got myself no, no, a no, Take out. me
0: there. Take me there. I want to know about that because, the, um, it's funny. I never did that, um. I, know, I feel like I missed out on something, but everybody seems to be well, – most entrepreneurs these days, are seen, seen your age group at least, are telling me they left school and they took off overseas and started having a wonderful time surfing or uh – hanging out in, uh, Spain or London or somewhere like that. And, uh, I'm thinking, how the fuck did everyone get to do that? And I didn't (laughs) tell me about it. Look,
1: it's, uh, my mum desperately wanted me to go to university of Sydney, even enrolled me in there without me knowing about it. And would open the papers and said, you got into university of Sydney. I said, well, that's impossible. I didn't apply. And, uh, much to her dismay, I said, well, I have zero interest in going to, to university. And I uh, basically just got straight into the workforce, did anything I could, labouring jobs, all sorts of crazy jobs. I think I had about 15 jobs in the first six months out of school just to get enough money to buy a ticket to Europe, basically. So, so your, your
0: go was, I just want to get the hell out of you and have a look around the joint.
1: Yeah, yeah, just check out the world. So so went uh, went to London, started working in, as, as so many Aussies do, Earl's Court and all the usual in the pubs over there, and then ended up on a farm in North England and saved em- enough money to, to do Europe and then do Canada after that, snowboarding. I, th- I think over the whole year, I spent about $12,000, which seems to be a very short trip that I spend that on these days with my wife and kids. So. <laughs> 1000 dollars a
0: month. Uh, I, but I don't know. What are you, 18, 19? 18, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I was, I guess I must have been immature or something, but um, maybe my generation just didn't do that. But eighteen, nineteen, 19, taking off to Europe and just doing your best. I mean, you probably didn't go with a pocket full of cash. Um, you went with a suitcase and uh, lots of dreams.
1: Yeah, yeah, backpack and dreams. That was basically. So, it, did you go on your own? I did. I did. So you yeah. just took off. Just took off. Yeah, it was first of my family to to go to uh, to Europe and, and and check it out, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And- it's mad,
0: like I mean, it's sort of crazy shit. Like uh, to me, anyway. Like uh, if one of my sons said that when they when they were at that age, I would have said, "What the fuck are you doing?" Uh, yep. One son did actually. He took off at the end of the HSC, but he, he only lasted a couple of months. He he, he got homesick. So and he, he ran out of money, basically. But, yeah. I mean, I guess what you got to be is you, you were backing yourself. You must be fairly resilient, but you're also backing yourself that I'll, I'll always find a job, always yeah. find some way of paying the rent or yeah. board.
1: Oh, look, I think also my my dad had very uh, not high expectations for us to go into the workforce and succeed in, in a job, but he had very, very high standards, and there was no way I was going to let him feel that I had uh I had failed in any way shape or form so when I said I was going to Europe for a year uh, I could have been homeless I wasn't coming home <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would have yeah, been yeah dragging my my tail between my legs so uh yeah look it just just made it work and and same with getting over from from Europe to to Canada I learned the joy of exchange rates and took the pound to the Canadian dollar so tell me about that time. so you
0: went from the UK to the, to, to Canada, Canada like, yeah Canada's, I mean I still don't know anyone who's ever been to Canada I mean I've never been to Canada um my like in, in my 64 years I mean, I have it's no reason spot. to go to Canada. Um, oh, there's plenty of reasons for, to go For to me. Like, yeah. I, mean, like, I, 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 I you just went there random.
1: Yeah, love snowboarding. So yeah. love snowboarding, love outdoors, love any any sort of a action adventure sports, and Canada is such a great place for all of those sorts so of how'd things. You, so how would you get
0: into the film game or the, the creative game, let's put it that way?
1: Yeah, look, for me, the creative game, uh, and I got asked this the other week, you know, how did you get into it? I, I never feel I've been out of it. For me... Video is a passion. Uh, it's something that uh, I was always that annoying kid with the camcorder chasing my friends oh around my doing jumps on their You're dirt them. bikes. I'm one of them. Yeah. I'm one of those annoying kids. Until, until years later when all of your friends come back and go, do you happen to have that tape yeah, when we were young? Right. Yeah, I'm not so annoying anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so I was taking those those tapes, putting them into VHS, putting two VHS tapes together and dubbing them across from from one to another, trying to create little uh, what I thought were sort of, you know, Red, Red Bull Action adventure sports uh, as a, a kid, they or you mean as a kid, yeah, as a pr- prior kid, to yeah.
0: going overseas?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As a kid, uh, ever since I was oh geez, probably twelve years old, I suppose onwards, I was I was just borrowing my my parents' camcorder and doing what I could.
0: So wow, that's so video. And did you actually go into any courses to to, to to sort of hone your skills or?
1: Uh, no, no. When I got out of uh, school, one of the first jobs I did as I was talking about that six months trying to make money, underlying all of that, I was doing some work experience. One of them actually, it wasn't in this building, but I, I mentioned to producer at Southern Cross Austereo doing karting, uh with Triple M. So that was great fun. Uh, just trying to learn the field. And then I, I just literally volunteered at a company called Launchpad Productions, which was in Surrey Hills. And that's where I learned to do video editing properly. So you, you, you,
0: you uh, garnered some skills from working in a
1: actual environment
0: of, in, in this case, editing.
1: I just walked in and I said, look, I'm free labour. Where can you use me? All I want to do is learn the industry. And this guy just looked at me and said, well, no one's ever walked in and told me that before. You can start tomorrow. So I did and I started doing all-night shifts because the, the edit studios were being used during the day. So he said, well, you can't use them during the day, but you can sit by one of our editors during the day and it's all yours all night. So I used to pull all-nighters and pull together... Um, Videos for his clients, and I'd try and compete with the day shifts. To be honest, I'd see if I could do a better job than the, what they were doing, and quite a few of my projects made it through, and and the clients were using them. I, I didn't get paid for it, but it was a so lot of fun. That's quite intriguing. So, um,
0: as a maybe twenty year old or so, not that old anyway, um, as a young man, um, you decided that. Um, Why? Well, where'd you get the balls to just get up and say, "I'm, you know, I'm here to work for nothing." Like, how, how did it all work? But I mean, how'd you even pick the one in? Um, Surrey Hills.
1: Yeah, look, I, I do sound old saying this now. I looked it up in the yellow pages and uh it was the physical book. I'm I'm almost forty now, so one, six months off that. So I uh I I looked through the yellow pages, found launchpad productions in Surrey Hills, it looked cool. I went there and checked it out and uh and just asked if I could just turned up and asked if I could work for free. So How'd you know that? who'd you know to ask? I mean like I, I, I mean, for anyone listening, I mean, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good, it's a good point, and it, it is something that I don't see very often today, and, and certainly in my business, very rarely does somebody show up and say, "I'm here and I want to work." Uh, they have a couple of times, and we've taken them on. So, uh, it's very important to me that we we help people out in that situation. But I literally turned up to reception and said, "You know, I'm I'm. Can I talk to the owner of the business? I I want to work here." And they said, "Well, in what capacity?" And I said, "Well, for free to start with." And that sort of got her attention. She said, "Okay, that's strange," and and off we went. So, and then
0: how did you fund yourself whilst you were working for free? Did you have another job or?
1: Yeah, I did everything. I've I've done jobs uh, cleaning toilets at universities. I've been a courier during the day. I basically took on any job I could that gave me the flexibility to do what I wanted to do. Uh, around it. So either the job had to start really early, end really late, or I had to do as I did with Launchpad my shifts there during the night. That's interesting. So, I mean, I, I guess when you're, you know, you've got no obligations, you're
0: a young person.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, as if you've got to pick kids up and cart them to school, um, you probably can live off the smell of an oily rag when you're. Certainly funny. did. Um, uh, and as long as you had something to put in your pocket and, you know, pay a bit of board, buy a few bits and pieces. You basically took the view there's twenty four hour cycles i've got maybe five six hours worth of sleep in there, maybe a bit more. I made the um,
1: mistake of missing that a couple of times no <laughs> i had, had one not as- one day where i um I finished up, so I worked during the day. Uh, that ended up being at Launchpad during the day, finished that, went to to work as a kitchen hand at an Italian restaurant from 6 till 11.30 and then started a night shift at a service station from 12 till 6 the next morning and then had to go back to a day job the next day. <laughs> so they, well, that, that, but that's what people do. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. think
0: that's what I think a lot of listeners here who are sort of comfortable and wish they could do something themselves. They're not prepared to uh, maybe work all day and then come home and start working on their their side hustle overnight. Mm. Um, I mean, in some respects, you're working on your side hustle by working at Launchpad. That sort of, sort of was your side hustle was learning yeah, learning was. the
1: craft. But I took that same mentality then to start my own business and businesses since then as well. And it's almost like you know when you finish when you finish your main course and then it comes to dessert. Everyone has the joke, oh, dessert's got a separate stomach, right? Mm. For me, your side hustle, your muse, your business, it it should have a separate pocket of energy that, that you, you draw on, you know, you finish your day job generally drained and over it because probably you don't necessarily love what you're doing during the day. Just paying the bills. Just paying the bills. But then when you, for me at least, when I came home and I could switch gears into what I wanted to do as a passion, I had energy to go all night, no problem. But a
0: lot of people don't get it. Like, uh, they have these dreams and these ideas, but they don't realize you have to actually put in Absolutely. and, uh, and in your case, you put in for free. And that's what I I really, when put in, I mean, as long as you're learning something, it's okay. But like when you're putting in for free, in other words, there's no money for it, um, you've got to be driven. Absolutely. Where do you get your drive from?
1: Where do I get my drive from? Uh, It is, it's an interesting one. And I suppose, you know, you either have it or you don't, right? And, And I've never, never not been driven, I guess. I just, I find it infuriating to, uh, work in something that I'm not passionate about. I remember as a young kid, literally going in, I won't mention the place that I worked, but it wasn't amazing. I uh, had a full-time job and, and I turned up to to work at 9.05 and my boss across the desk from me, he's sitting literally as far as you are from me. And he emails me, we start at nine o'clock, not 9.05. Oh, and I stood up and I said, really, buddy, come on, like, this is ridiculous. And I was a 22, 23 year old at the time. And I, I, I walked out. I remember going to the bathroom. I literally looked myself in the eye in the bathroom, and I, I just started punching the mirror. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing, buddy? Why are you here? Come on, let's get on with life. Let's m- move and do something else. And I quit that job. And the the senior manager goes, "Oh, it's a real shame, Mike. I had visions of you being middle management here." <laughs> and literally, when he said it, I was like, "Thank God, I'm going." Oh wow, <laughs> I'm out. Uh, and so for me, that. That drive was, was always, I suppose, an internal thing where I just wanted to be passionate about what I did. Uh, and, and whether it was great and successful in the eyes of others, I didn't really care. It was just for me doing what, um, having control over my life. Yeah,
0: but also being interested in what you're doing too. Yeah. And working for the right values. I mean, what, what's, do you think that you were never destined to work for anybody else and always destined to work for yourself in that regard, therefore? Because Absolutely. it's hard to work for somebody else, I mean, other than just getting a paycheck and, and, and maybe having a side hustle, but it's hard to work with somebody else because usually someone else doesn't have your values, you know, They, they and therefore they can't make your job interesting. Because the values are different. And the only way you can actually um, have your own values in your business or in your business life is actually start up your business yourself. Yeah. Is that where you come from?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I you know, I didn't grow up particularly wealthy. There was always money issues at home, but my dad worked for himself right? And I remember... What did your
0: dad do to your mom So he was like? a
1: builder, master builder, and then went into building inspections. So right. basically doing building inspections. And, um, and so I grew up with the building trade, know a lot about the building trade and we, he had four sons. So we basically called ourselves the four apprentices that my dad had. And we, uh, we basically just did all the dirty work for my dad on the building site. So... Uh, the key for me, though, was when he went and got a job with Spinners at one stage. Yeah, yeah remember I don't know if you remember them. And I do, he, he yeah. got uh, this crappy little car with Spinners written down the side and a stupid hat on the top. Yeah, they
0: had yeah. uniforms too.
1: Only had uniforms, and and yeah, I was
0: Spinners. By the way, was an aggregation platform in those days. Aggregation platform for all trades: carpenters, plumbers, electricians. And you rang Spinners up if you wanted a tradesman to come to your
1: house. Absolutely. Yep. And and he he drove in in this stupid little car, and I could feel the shame. From mm. him, and I felt ashamed. And we looked at, and we were like, "Can we park that thing on the street because it's not ours? You know, we don't own that. That's a mm. company thing, right?"
0: Mm. It's sort of like a franchise.
1: Type. It was a franchise type model, I think. Yep. But he worked for somebody in a franchise. He didn't own the franchise in that space. And it was just for. He lasted six months, and he said, "I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going back to working for myself. I, I want to control my own destiny again." And now he worked harder than any man I. I've ever met, um, still to this day, he passed away many years ago now, but still to this day, I, I don't know anyone that works as hard as he worked, but he did it for himself. And so for me, and then same with my grandfather on both sides, actually, they both ran their own businesses and I just couldn't ever imagine working for someone else. Can we just
0: explore that? Cause I think a lot of people who listen to the show wish they could work for themselves, mm-hmm. but they are working for somebody else, but there's a, a certain stoicism you have to have to be able to work for yourself, it's fucking hard. Absolutely, and you can dream about working for yourself, but there's a lot of shit you got to put up with.
1: Oh, right? absolutely. Um, absolutely.
0: And what was it you saw in your dad and your family that sort of convinced you that yeah, I can do this too? I mean, it's probably the same sort of stoicism that allowed you to go overseas when you're eighteen years of age and fucking live off the smell of an oily rag and somehow survive mm. and go and be able to buy a ticket to fly from UK to Canada as well and survive there as well. I mean, what is it that these people bring to the table?
1: When you're a kid, or where, what did you see? I saw passion. I, I think that's the biggest thing. So my my granddad on my mum's side was actually interviewed by 60 Minutes uh, when he was 92, uh, as the oldest working man in Australia. Wow. And uh, and that, to me, I was so proud. He a tradesman? When, uh, no, no, he, he actually ran his own um, acupuncture business and, and massage training. So okay. He had a he, trade. He had a trade, yeah, yeah. He actually used to work in multiple businesses and everything else, and when he was about 60, he sold all his businesses, and he said, as a passion, I actually love... Um, Health healthcare, and, and um, healing, healing traditional Chinese medicine, yeah, 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 etc yeah. so i 'm going to go into that space and he 'd spent a lot of time through China, which back then was a very big deal. Uh, so, so that 's what he did, and that was his passion. and so he was still running that. and when we found out actually his side story, but when we found out actually pa- after he passed away, this woman tried to return a massage table that she bought. And we and we said, oh, I'm sorry, she, he's passed away, but we'll honour it. And she said, Oh, don't be silly, we won't. And I said, We'll, we'll honour it. He would have wanted that. And he gave a, gave a lifetime guarantee on these massage beds he sold. Um, can we get the receipt? And we found out he was selling them at a loss to get people into the industry, to get young people started in in massage and because and he was passionate, he, he was passionate about it. it yeah. And that was just for him; it wasn't a big deal. He had the money; it wasn't a problem for him. But he believed
0: so. in it. So I mean, he, he believed in and it, and
1: it was that passion to me that I look at and I go. Um, I didn't want to be a dead soul. Now, I think some people that work in companies uh, for other people, you know, they are, and now I've got, you know, 130 employees in, in, in my team. And a lot of those guys and girls are extremely passionate about what they do. And I love that. Because you we, allow it. Because we're. We, you're we not give like the freedom. manager who's sitting
0: across the desk sending exactly. you an
1: Sending emails saying you're at 9 yeah, And that's you, just soul sucking bullshit, really. Yeah.
0: So it's not so much working for someone, it's working for. The, the right, right type someone. of people, person, yeah, absolutely. correct. And you've got to find someone who allows you to grow, absolutely, and allows you to learn, and allows you to express yourself.
1: At Shootster, we've got a saying: find great people, hire them, and let them be great. You know, don't try and squash them. Don't try and put them in a box and make them exactly what you need them to be. Um, if they're not the right person, then they're not going to fit that mold. If they are the right person, they're probably not going to fit that mold either. You know, the right person will, will take that mold, throw it out the window and do something bigger and better.
0: How many people did you say you got? 130. This is globally? Globally. Right. Okay. So, I mean, obviously recruiting people and and retaining people is a big deal for your business Mm. and your, your business relies on those individuals. Absolutely. What's your philosophy around recruitment then?
1: Look, it's interesting. I was actually just chatting with the VP of the UK last night around retention strategies and hiring strategies. And and funnily enough, for me, um, we've actually kept and retained most of our staff for the five years we've been up and running. A lot of the original team that we had five years ago is still with us.
0: Why is that the case? Either one or two things, either you put up with a whole lot of mediocre people or you find the right people from the beginning. Look, and or you bring them along.
1: We've definitely let go of some mediocre people. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I think the key is obviously finding the right people, looking for people that are how passionate.
0: How do you find them? Do you have like a program? Do you, how do you reach out to them in the beginning? I mean, is it, uh, do you know a bit about them before they come in? I mean, yeah, look, a pretty we, big we do deal. get
1: a lot, of, a, a lot of referrals from other people working there saying, hey, I know someone I know, someone which I think is the best way to build a network within the team simply because if you've got somebody great, birds of a feather flock together, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and it shows something about the company culture if they're referring their friend to come and work at Shootster. So for me, that's a big deal. Um, but we have our standard programs put out on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera, all the usual ad stuff, et cetera. But we actually ask people to make a video to send to us um, because that's what they're supposed to be able to do. That's what they're supposed to be able to do. But even, even an accountant. So if somebody yep. wants to come and work for us in the finance department, they're still sending a video in. And right. we say, we're not going to judge your video. We're going to judge you. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, What we want to see is personality. And then you can go through 100 different applicants really quickly and not have interviews with everyone. So you get them to do a pitch. We get them to do a pitch. And, yeah. oh, boy, there's some good ones. There's some yeah. great ones. This, this guy in America uh, made this incredible sales pitch to us. And he he did the entire pitch of how good he was as a salesperson. Firstly, he puts an apple down and then just walks down this bush track. I reckon 200 metres down this bush track. Turns around, picks up a bow and arrow, shoots back, and you just see it go off into nowhere. And then he just keeps giving the pitch about how good he is all the way back down to... uh, to the apple, picks it up, and it's just the arrow's gone straight through it and into the target behind it. He just picks it up and just goes, and that's why I hit the mark as the best salesperson. Oh, everything was on point. i love to it. see that. So, yeah, I'll send it to you. It Thank fantastic. you. I
0: love it. I, that. That sounds great because I mean, I'm, I'm because for me, we are always pitching. Everyone's pitching all the time. You know, we're either pitching to our family or we're pitching to our boss or we're pitching to our client. We're pitching to government everything's, it's it's a constant negotiation to pitch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, you'll, you'll love our new app that we're releasing in two months called tell Pitch. Tell me
0: about it. It's called Pitch.
1: It's called Pitch. So it's a specific app for creating sales videos, which has been the biggest uh, reason for Shootster's success is our sales team create personalized sales videos where I, I sent one through to your team around, you know, why I should be on on the mentor. It's a video about about me, essentially, but talking about why I should be on The Mentor, for example. Uh, that sort of thing, as a salesperson, they can make personalized sales videos with beautiful overlays, all curated, et cetera, et cetera, and out the other side in, in 30 seconds.
0: Well, we're going to get out of the break. I just want to come back. Actually, I want to talk about this pitching yeah. stuff. I mean, let's talk about this product that you got. Yep. We'll talk about Shootster. I mean, like, I think we might start off telling us what Shootster does, Yeah, but I want to, I actually wouldn't mind picking up on this product and talking about importance of the demand in the market for why people need this product.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, everyone needs to know that they're pitching, as you oh said, yeah. the whole time. You're selling yeah. yourself. If you're not, you're, you're falling by the wayside. And you put
0: people in front of a the camera, they basically they turn into a different personality yeah. and they can't even speak. But if you give them some tools and some yeah. time to think and about some it training. and some bit of training and a bit of practice, they can do a good job. Absolutely. So let's go to the break. We'll come straight back. I want to talk, talk about Shootster and then let's talk about this particular – Pitch product and where the demand is, what you're supplying, and why you're doing it. We're back from the break. I'm with Mike Pritchett, and he is the principal founder of Shootster, which is a. Well, what do you? How do you best describe your company?
1: Yeah, we're a video tech company. So so
0: video tech means you use technology to produce videos for who?
1: Correct. So we have uh, produced a a product called The Hub, and that's a tech hub where basically we enable companies to create video content at scale. We provide them with a custom-built camera kit, training, and resources to shoot their own content.
0: So... I'm, um, I don't know, Westpac. Yep, some big company. Yep. I mean, you're talking about a larger types. Yeah, of so we work
1: with LinkedIn, Airbnb, Atlassian, Samsung. Okay, let's say Airbnb. Samsung. Yep.
0: Um, what
1: do I do? Yeah, so at Airbnb, you may have a. a a whole range of needs in creating videos. So in their case, we do all of their Airbnb experiences in the US. So that's a little bit of a, a niche use case, but quite often it's it's uh, internal comms or learning L&D, et cetera. So let's just say you've got a whole bunch of L&D videos to create. Um, on yeah, how to that's
0: learning platform. and development videos. Learning and development but, videos. Well, let's say it's at Yellow Road. Yeah, absolutely. So my finance company, um, I've got 2,000-odd uh, brokers around the country who work yeah. for me. Uh, we always build um, learning and development or education development um, videos for these guys and and girls and we, we sort of put them out every couple of days.
1: Yeah, excellent. So creating those videos, um, you've got a couple of options. One is you can use a freelance or an agency or you can build an internal team or you can use Shootster or all of the above. Mm. Um, For most of the companies we work with, it's all of the above. And for Shootster, we actually train their team on how to shoot content. So at Estee Lauder Company, for example, we've trained over 1,500 staff there to shoot great quality video content.
0: Then what you're saying here is not necessarily, we're not talking about here... um, your production, their production team, their yep. video production team or Everyone their marketing from team. from a
1: beautician to a receptionist Correct. can yeah. learn how and to And we're talking shoot
0: about using them. these things. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lose,
1: using iPhones, we've got kits that ironically actually use the same Sony A7 Mark III, so the same cameras you've got set up here. We have a, the kit that you can see there. The, the box actually has... Um, a camera, tripod, light, microphone, auto cue, everything set up. We have our own auto cue app that goes onto the the iPad and goes yep. into the teleprompter. So this kind of a shoot that we've got set up here is fairly straightforward once you understand the basics of shot composition, framing, lighting, and audio. Right. And so we train teams on how to do that, whether on their phone or on our kit, and they shoot that content. It gets uploaded to our hub. And then our editors get working on the footage in the background, have it back to them. So you guys do the hard bit? In 24 bit. hours. We the do real, the, hard the bit. really
0: hard bit's the edit bit.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's where we, we fix all the mistakes and we make it look great. And yeah, we yeah. add all the overlays, the animations, et cetera, et cetera. So the hub as well is an integral part because that actually stores all of their previously shot footage, their elements, gives them access to um, to stock footage, music, et cetera, et cetera, and their branding assets, which is the most important thing. So for Yellow Brick Road, obviously, you don't want somebody going creating something that's – way off brand yep. with the wrong colors, wrong font and everything
0: else. And so you provide them the tools and do you, you,
1: training? Yeah, yeah, the training. So either in person or, or uh, online, uh, COVID's been fantastic for us. It's pushed everything virtual and we've uh, we've shone in that space. So we've got the shoots to show as well, which is a, a great um, sort of show, one-hour show that helps people understand the basics of video.
0: Right. No, that's cool. Um because most people, especially on the you know the smart devices, haven't got a fucking clue about. It. Yeah. I mean, it aggravates the shit out of me when I see some of the stuff that you see on the various platforms about yeah. how someone's filmed something. It just kills me. Um, but and they're it,
1: great. These these so the, these the phones, quality are great. Yeah.
0: But it's the way people sort of execute. Use um, error. Um, and as time. you say, there's no edit. I mean, you can edit, but they don't edit. Yeah. Most of these people don't go to anywhere to get an edit. Any edit software? Use anyone else's software. They don't put music on it. You know, you can do these things pretty easily, um, yeah. and and it's the education program. Or alternatively, you're saying oh, I could go onto Shootstone, I could buy a whole kit, a, a really cool camera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the kit we provide as part of our subscription. So at right. the at the enterprise type levels, if somebody's client signing up for a subscription, some of our users are creating over hundred videos a month, and so we have a custom built camera kit. Some of them have up to you know ten plus kits around the world and they shoot the content on the kit because they want the auto cue, the whole setup, et cetera, et cetera.
0: You've been explaining auto cue means. So I know what it means. You know what yeah, it means. Yeah, cue teleprompter.
1: Listen. So uh, like you see on the news where they sit there and they read directly down the camera, once again, a fault that kills me uh, is when somebody goes, oh, no, it's fine. I'm just going to put an iPad next to the camera. And no, it's no, like, no, it's no, like no. me talking to you like this. You think no, I'm cross-eyed, you know, I can't see it.
0: So I, I just want to quickly explain this. <laughs> this is pretty important, Mike. Um, a teleprompter sits under... You look at the camera, and the teleprompter is actually like an iPad. It is an iPad, yeah, yeah, um, which Use actually sits on a, a uh, on a on a platform. There's a mirror that mirrors it up. So when you're looking at what you're reading, it looks like you're looking at the camera. Correct. You're not looking straight across the to the lens. left or the right. You're looking yeah. straight down the lens. And but where where the teleprompters are really important is that a lot of people just aren't any good at uh, freelancing, you know, like a a speech or just getting up there and speaking in front of a camera. Where where the teleprompter is really good um, is that you can actually write your speech or write your pitch out, you know, if it's a minute or two, write it all out, you know, rehearse it, see what it sounds like a few times. Get signed off by legal. Get legaled up and make (laughs) sure your boss likes and everybody else likes and everybody has their commentary and you make a change and you get your final, final, final everyone's happy with. Then you put it on your, you put it onto the software, and you put it onto your your iPad, and uh, through the app, and then you, you can adjust the speed yeah. as you want it, and then you don't have to come up with anything new. It just it's all rehearsed.
1: It's so it's so easy, and once you get past that stage of being wooden reading the script,
0: uh, you start to play with it.
1: You start to play with it, and the beauty of our kit as well. So what I loved, um, one of the the um, heads of comms at Adobe. Was, is using Shootster. And I said, well, why are you guys using Shootster? You create the software, right, uh, for the industry. And she said, yeah, but our internal team can take two to three weeks to turn around a piece of content, right? Now the CEO says to me, hey, I need to get a piece of cons out today. I say, great, go downstairs, use your, your phone and just talk to Siri, write yourself what you want to say, send it back to me, I'll edit it, make sure it's tightened it up, which is normally taking a five-minute blah into a two-minute really tight piece of content because you repeat yourself over and over again. And then that's in the in the um iPad ready to go on the teleprompter. The kit so up by it the back. time he's finished cop. So you, co- you edit
0: it and put it sent it back on the teleprompter so the guy then can execute.
1: Yeah, again. Yeah. So in that case the comms manager was the one doing that internally and just sending it straight through from the hub to the to the app, which is how it all works, still all linked up. And then um, you know, they're all set up within within five minutes. So, so, so
0: Mike the, the the edit part is that where all the people that you employ mostly sit? Correct, On yeah. Air, so we've yeah. got
1: editors all around the world. We yeah. find editing is such a cultural piece, right? You have to have people in country across it. You know, Australians mm-hmm. think differently to Americans and the culture looks different to Singapore, to Hong Kong, to London, right? So making sure that we've got editors in country that actually um, are across the content. Uh, we also use the teams globally as well and share that content um, where where necessary, but it's about having that that piece down to the correct culture and how then,
0: do you find the right editors I mean how do you get editors that are good at um, editing for tone and language and uh, I mean apart from culture but yeah. tone language content and uh, you know making just actually driving the point home Like,
1: because yeah,
0: yeah. an editors not an easy but're they're, they're not an easy person to find no, or, there, or train.
1: there are a lot of editors around there are a lot of good editors out there and the kind of um, you know culture we have at shoots does attract good editors, but we work in teams. So we make sure we build a team of editors. So it's not just one person working on a client's content. It's a a small team, Um, but it's also not everyone working on the client's content because when you at Yellow Brick Road send through a piece of content, it's got a very different feel to ANZ, Westpac.
0: So how do you supervise that? So like, for example, let's say, I mean, do you have financial services group? Who looks after banks and blah blah blah?
1: Uh, not so much. We, we we more bulk it into um, you know that that team gets onboarded with that particular. Uh lead editor. So that client will get to know that lead editor very, very quickly. So we we have time on the phone, time on video calls, getting to know them, being across their branding, et cetera, et cetera. And our business is a subscription model. So clients aren't just signing up for one video, they're signing up for a year. Uh, we have just started a Kickstarter bundle, which allows clients to just come on five videos for five grand, which we're releasing next month. Probably shouldn't have announced that, but anyway. Ah, oh, uh, you've heard, you've heard <laughs> for, it first. here. For listeners here only, uh, you know. So we we uh, we we're, we're doing that for that SME space, especially during COVID. I, yeah. I just want people to realise the power of video, right? And yeah. it's it's almost like crack cocaine, right? Once you start it, once you try using it, give me more. you, you give it's give me more, and they don't. But want give more.
0: me more, give me good stuff.
1: My thing is, I just didn't want to fill the internet with more shit. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I'm, I was sick of, as you said, this kind of shaky video stuff and and people just not understanding shooting against a light bright window and they're just a, a bloody yeah, you silhouette. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I I was sick of that and and so with Shootster, you know, I wanted to make sure we were building something that was quality. My background is is that high end production. I've got Trapdoor Productions, which does high end brand films. We do Nikon globally and and whatnot. Uh, that sort of content though. Uh, was just out of the reach for most people. You know, we're talking $100,000 plus quite often for videos, you know. Hmm. So expensive content. And then there was people going, well, hang on, I just want to create, as you said, uh, L&D video for my my brokers You know, every every day, every week, whatever it is. And so that's where Shootster comes in to create that scale.
0: So we're, we're, the demand that uh, Shootster is uh, – or the wave that Shootster is riding on at the moment is probably um, much greater than has ever been before because today – Apart from COVID, today we must communicate as businesses. We must communicate with our customers and our staff and everybody, particularly people who work remotely. Um, and communication is king for me. I mean, you've got to communicate more often, better quality, um, because, you know, as soon as they see it shit quality, they tune out. Um, yeah. uh, if you don't hit them enough with the information, data, educate them and or just talk to them. They feel like they're being um, isolated and or they're not being dealt with properly. They're not being fairly dealt with. Um, you know, and I have it in my own business. I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to, um, you know, backfill in that regard. So Schutz is actually not just doing a great a job and you you haven't just come up with a, a sort of fairly s- sort of slick, smooth um, Execution model, you're actually meeting demand. I mean, you are feeding demand with what they need. The demand is that they we need, businesses need today to talk and communicate more and more and more absolutely. and more
1: and more. And there's this. Is that
0: are you experiencing that? Because if you're absolutely. a business, I'm, I'm talking to business owners out here listening to this yeah. now, Mike. If they're not talking to their staff and their distributors and their suppliers and their customers, then Someone they're else dead is. in the water
1: someone else's. Yeah, correct. You know, and, and, and that's the key. So Google came out with these recommendations called Hero Hub and Hygiene around creating content. So your hero level is your TV commercial, big budget, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And obviously budgets will scale with businesses but the, the same principle applies for SMEs as, as it does for enterprise. Um, you take your hero hub and hygiene. So hero level, big budget, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Hub level is that learning content, that push content that you're pushing out to your market and the hygiene level is the FAQs, the back and forth conversations, et cetera, et cetera. So content that you're creating almost every day, you're seeing the market out there. And and I look at it as a bit of a silly analogy, but your marketing and your communications internally and with your your clients and prospects should be like a relationship. Now, if you took your wife out to or husband out to a an amazing dinner, like incredible dinner, spent thousands of dollars on this dinner once a year, but didn't talk to them for the rest of the year probably not going to have a great relationship. (laughs) It's Mm. probably going to go to crap. Whereas if you do your your great dinner, and you do your weekend away but you also do every night you come to, come home sit and have a drink and have a chat you're going to have a good relationship mm. you know or a lot better chance at it and so that's the key with your clients and your internal stakeholders as well is creating content all the time that's necessary. what you mean by hygiene though. always on that's the hygiene content yep. or help content as yep. as google uh, refers to it that's
0: m- much more critical today than it has been in the past like Absolutely. if someone's the old days which is only 4 months ago but the old days was you could see ago. somebody you could say, oh, Look, how are you going today, Mike? How, mm. how is, you can have a mag. But if they're at home working from home, which, yep. by the way, is the new thing now, everyone's going to, like my own business, where people just get rostered on in the office once a week yep. because you've got to have the four square meter rule, the lifts don't take any more people, the building management, blah, 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 all, all so, that oh, stuff. Yep. So we're doing, um, you know, of the couple of hundred people who work in the head office, uh, we're doing just like uh, you can, you get one day a week in. Mm. That means four days a week, we don't see you. Yep. I mean, other than through Zoom or, or we use Teams. So, but that's that's not quite the same. So and and that's more instructive too. We're more sort of saying what have you done, where you're up to. That's more a, a, a building your day.
1: And it's interesting on the Zoom calls as well. So we we did a bit of a study around how much time businesses spend with how many people on a Zoom call. So you get 20 30 people together on a Zoom call, you think of the wages that you're paying for that full hour, Bloody which oath. which 40 minutes of that hour is just you telling something, right? With everyone sitting there yeah, wasting yeah. their time. Oh God, I'm I'm going to do one after this, by yeah, the way. And then, and then questions come back, half of them stupid. And and those questions then take up everyone else's time. So if you actually look at it as a business owner, that one hour free, in inverted commas, Zoom call, just costs you tens of thousands of dollars. So you take the same mentality and you go, well, I'm going to create a video. It's one to many. People can watch it in their own time whenever they like and they're not wasting time. Also, your, your half an hour on a Zoom call goes down to probably a five-minute video. If we're honest, with nice cutaways and overlays with graphs, et cetera, et cetera. It's a five minute video. Cost you a thousand bucks or so to create. You've saved a lot of money.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's uh that's that's very intuitive. I mean, one of the things I'm getting at my business, Yellow Brick Road, is this uh, feedback point is that branches, we've got branches all around the country, mm. like the branches are sort of saying things to us like, um, we don't hear enough from you, Mark. We don't see you enough anymore mm. anymore. Um which is, by the way, I didn't see them much before, but I think they feel like they—they Isolate. they, they feel isolated. Mm. Therefore, they turn to who's that leader? And uh, in, in our case, and uh, we don't, see, even though we do advertising, marketing, and digital marketing, they see Instagram and they see all the stuff I put out. Which, by the way, they probably don't even look at yeah. because I'm putting out for them. Yeah, they're not looking at their stuff. Yeah, they're looking at other people's stuff. They don't look at my stuff. Um. I think this is a really important area.
1: You're exactly right. As a leader, you need to be seen constantly. With COVID hit, I was making videos every day for our team. Um, now, yes, I've backed that off now. I don't need to do it every day. For your day. internal for team. For our internal team, yeah. So, so just let me know. What would you where say where then? At. What
0: would you say then to, like, let's say, randomly, I mean, I'm saying to you, look, we've just gone through bushfires, we've just gone through COVID. I run my financial services businesses, business. Everybody's sort of works remote because you know, we've got branches all around the country and brokers who work for us all over the place. Um, what would you be saying to me how I could use Shootster?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for your internal team, definitely you can be creating content out to them. Um, FAQs that come in. Hey, you know, Mark, where's this at? Where's that at? Just being very transparent about the business. The so future. what what
0: would I do? Actually, do like so? Would I go and subscribe? Oh yeah, like?
1: yeah, definitely. So you'd you'd probably start on this five for five deal to start with, and then yeah. go from there. So five five means to, what? Uh, so five videos for five grand. We're right. basically just making it very simple for people to start up. So you know? a thousand
0: bucks a, a video. Correct. How long does yep. the video go for? Uh,
1: anywhere up to five minutes in length. Right. Okay. Uh, we also do animated explainers and podcasts as well. So Okay, so, yeah, so, so, okay, be, so
0: you say to me, Mark, okay, I signed for five for five. Yep. And what do I do next?
1: Uh, we basically give you the training. So you come along to one of the, the online trainings, ask all the questions, learn how to set up a camera, shoot the content. You either use our, our equipment or your equipment. Uh, and then you shoot that content, upload it to the hub. Our editors will turn that into a video and back to you in 24 hours. Right. The goal is obviously we're working with you to create that branding suite of elements and have a professional looking yellow brick road video. And then
0: I, then I distribute it
1: and then you distribute it. You can use our hosting service as well and just take the embed link, throw that out. Um, or you've obviously got your own team's yep. platform and other things that you communicate. Now through. I like
0: it. And the five, I did the five videos in five days yep. and I'm paid five grand. And it was really good. Everybody gave me a, a clap. Um, What happens then? What what would I typically... So the subscription
1: model for us, um, you know, is anywhere down to four videos a month is sort of our lowest or, you know, you could do two videos a month package. Uh, for that SME type space and then your team created as well so that's the biggest thing as well it's not just you creating out from the top down it's having other people within the business create their so everybody own learns a well. skill everybody learns a skill you're you know the best salesperson will get them on why they're they're succeeding at sales help them create videos and communicate cross-platform as well most companies are fairly good at top down but pretty much all companies are horrible at bottom up yeah. and 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 cross platform platform.
0: So what you're saying is, that, let's say in my business, i got a really good um, sales guy out there. He's in um, Campbelltown. Mm-hmm. Um, he's branched in Campbelltown. He's he's doing something amazing. Yeah. He's number one on the on the leaderboard. Yep. Um, and he's got some technique that he finds works really well for refinancing. Yep. So what you're saying is, if what Schutzer does is you'll train him up, yeah. or her up for that matter, um, to be able to learn how to use maybe the either your equipment or his own iPhone or his yep. own – yeah, his own iPhone and um, and uh, build a video which you guys let it. Yep. And then we can use his video – to send out to all our uh, branches and say, this is what Campbelltown's doing, which is really good.
1: Absolutely. And Absolutely.
0: You, can, you can say, well, no, what I do is I ring my client up and, I, and when I yeah. come in I give him a cup of tea, whatever he does. Absolutely. And yeah.
1: then, and then, um, you know, that's that's obviously one very simple use case. You come out to International Women's Day, you do a video around all of the women in the business and how that works, you have other days, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're creating content um, throughout the business that's people sharing their own um, expertise. Views and opinions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's all curated. It all goes back to the one brand. It's all using the hub, and they've been trained. Well, where's it all, on- all sit
0: now? Where's all this data?
1: So that data sits on the hub. We yep. host all those videos for you, yep. And you can access them anytime, and uh, and and put them wherever you need, whether you use, you know, workplace for um, or teams or whatever yep. or Slack, etc. Cetera, et cetera. I,
0: I love the business. I think it's a fantastic idea, and uh, and it's actually like a very, very neat and elegant model. Um, Thanks. we were talking about the pitching yeah. earlier. Um, and look, to me, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in people becoming polished at pitch, but not too polished. What yeah. I mean by polished pitch that means I'm not looking for something slick. I don't want you to come across as uh, one of those guys that sells things at uh, two a.m. in the morning on T V S N and what are those things? Uh, not to say they're doing they a bad job; they're doing a great job, but it's about authenticity. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also about telling a story it's also about the quality of the production mm. has to be good mm. both in what it looks like and what it sounds like and what's inside it you know like the content
1: and I love that point it's it's very interesting when it comes to production values right in the production industry we can get obsessed with um, overproducing content yeah right? making it just so beautiful and the background just drops off nicely and it's all polished and I love that that's a passion for me right but keep it but to we're the not watching a movie right? it's not it's not Game of Thrones here right yeah, yeah. what we're trying to do and my my View on uh, content quality in this space is that you shouldn't notice the content; you should notice the message. So, if it's uh, out of focus, if there's distortion on the audio, if it's echoey on the audio, if it's um, you know badly framed or lit, you notice it. It detracts from the message. Whereas if you just create it nicely and it's not overproduced, but it's not underproduced, you listen to the message. And the key is the message. And then when it comes to the message, it's authentic and it's personal. So. There's no excuse for not creating hyper personal it doesn't have to be
0: theatrical. No, it doesn't. Get in front of a camera, have a playing background. You tell them what the product is, you tell them how much it costs, and you tell them where to get it from. That's it.
1: It's people buy from people. People don't buy bullshit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They buy from people. And and so if you can get yourself in, in front of camera, be trained well enough that you can, as you say, get past that, yeah, looking like an idiot stage, uh, which you don't see there with dull
0: do. eyed with with a tinny sound in the background, Absolutely. and it's all and you got and a bright light behind you. Absolutely, yeah, that, and that's and that's decent. That's not it's not
1: it's not hard. Yeah, it's not genius stuff. No, it's not hard. But you do need to know what to do. Hundred percent. Yeah. And so that's what I'm so passionate about. And with Shootster Academy, we're passionate about training people to shoot content well. And they can jump jump on the shoots to show, they can watch reruns of it, anything like that, and they can learn a lot of stuff around how to create content on their phone or or on a a DSLR, right? And it's good enough for what we need to do exactly as you're talking about now. And the tech that you had 20 years ago doing that is available right now, in right in front of you. Correct. And it's probably so, better. Probably better. The quality yeah, in is fact, probably it better. Would be better. Yeah. So yeah. the quality would be better now yeah. uh, with a little bit of lighting, etc. But so, you've got
0: to make sure the lighting's right, and you've got to make sure that the room, the, the, you're not sitting there in a tile floor with the yep. all that because, and, as you said, those things detract from the message. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're, because they're like, and
1: that's all it is. Just don't detract from the message. Be the message. Be be very clear. Be authentic. And for me personally, the thing that I love about Pitch and what we're creating in this app is it's personalized content. So it will start with. Hey Mark, great meeting you the other day. I hope you enjoyed that tea that you had, and you got on that really annoying Zoom call afterwards. Anyway, and so the key is being, um, yeah, personalised, authentic, and and not trying to put on some big show and and trick people into something. Yeah, yeah. It's just people buying from people.
0: And it's not it's not about producing something that's going to win an award.
1: No, and that was one of the challenges that I found. You know, you you say to in the production industry. Um, you send out a quote as a marketing manager or a comms manager, you send out a a, a, a request for for tender, Uh, you will get back three or four wildly different quotes from different production companies. One of them just going, oh, look, whatever, I'll do the job. One of them giving you an F off price because they're really busy. Yeah. then other, others, many of them, just wanting to win an award. They've got mm. an idea that they've always had in their head and they're going to jam yeah. that idea oh, here's that, an opportunity. into your brand, you know. Yeah. And it's not necessarily right for your brand, but it's right for them to win that award. And that was super frustrating. Whereas it shoots to we're actually training the team to shoot the content they know their message you know your brand better than we will, ever will and so does your team we just need to teach you the basics of, of framing shot composition lighting and audio and then we need to fix it in post and do our magic in post to make it the best it can possibly and i think that's
0: the important part i mean the post means the edit you editing or your team editing what i provide you is probably the key that's the thing you mm. probably can't teach yep. that that's really that's that's Takes a real a that's a real skill yeah. that one and all you want me to do is give you as much material as you need to, yep. to actually put it into a nice little framework within the time limits Absolutely. That, that that this thing needs to be done. I mean, I think, to be honest with you, to some extent, it looks like you're disrupting the whole agency industry in some respects.
1: They don't love us.
0: They don't love you. I wouldn't have thought so <laughs> because you're doing it for much cheaper, you're probably for the same for, – a tenth of the amount of money you're probably getting me five times as much content and five times as many. You're going to get me out there five times as many times.
1: Absolutely. And and the average um, round of amendments with most production companies and agencies is five plus. The average am- amount for us, and we do over twelve hundred videos a month. The average amount for us is one point two. So what it means is that you know your brand better than we do. Mm. You know you create the content. You know what you've got in mind. You know your messaging. You take that shot we do the post. Whereas if I take that shot, I lay a years of my own opinion on your brand. Uh, even the way I take the shot, which angle I take it from is my own thinking, which is different to your thinking.
0: Well, you're going to force people to actually think about the business. That's really important. Absolutely. You know, like if I retained you, i got to think about my business. Mm. Whereas I might have been a lazy bastard and just be prepared to hand it over to an agency, get them to think about my business. No one can think about your business better than you.
1: Absolutely.
0: But sometimes we've just got to be forced to think about our own business. I I love your concept. I I think it's a brilliant idea. Great business. We're going to run out of time. So I'm going to give you a chance to ask me a question because I've been asking you heaps of questions, Mr. Schuster.
1: Yes. Excellent. Excellent. So look, it's on the same line, obviously. I'm passionate about getting brands to understand the power of video. I do believe it's the most powerful form of communication online. How would you go about, um, explaining to businesses how powerful video could be?
0: I, I would do it by case study. So case studies to me are the most powerful things there are. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, in your case, if you're trying to explain why, not why necessarily why people should use Shootstar, but why the Shootstar concept is a, is a new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do it with three or four case studies. Yeah. Where people actually say, Look, previous this I was using agencies and they would go you know, would do the briefing or I'd have the I'd have the beauty parade of all the agencies, get them all to give me a little bit of a, a tickle up, then I give I pick one, they give them a briefing, and then after I pay the big fee, they'd produce the ad and that takes takes you know, all this stuff takes time, costs a lot of money. But then I started using shoes, so what I found is I was getting five times the volume out and it was getting done in half the amount of time and about a tenth of the price. Yeah. I mean to me that's compelling. Yeah. And by the way, if it's, if it's wrong, I can go and do it all over again really quickly. Yeah. If for some reason it just didn't work Absolutely. and you've got to stick the metrics on the end of it, some, somewhere along the yep. line, people have got to get feedback get the from the people they're talking to.
1: Yeah.
0: Is this, was my message working? You edited it because I, but I gave you the content. Yeah. But if the content didn't work mm. or my, my theme, mathematic, yeah. my theme was wrong, then yeah, I'm to change it up. It's... But the good thing about Schuster, again, in the case studies, I can go and do it again. Yeah. Straight to, away.
1: don't need to pay an agency all yeah. over again. I start all over
0: again. Just, and I can use you again. You're just going to edit what I give you. Yep. So you're not to blame because it wasn't your idea. It was my idea in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You just framed it up for me. Yep. And you made it look cool and sound better. And for me, case studies and affirmations from other people would be the most powerful way to get that out there. I mean, I, and I'll and i be honest with you. You're the most powerful person to tell the story. I mean, your your energy and the way you tell this mm-hmm. is, is quite compelling.
1: Yep.
0: Um, so... Why not do for yourself what you're telling everybody else to do? Why don't you get in front of the camera and then yeah, send it off? These
1: are of my own medicine. And then <laughs> yeah, send no, off right, to your edit right. team
0: and say, edit this up for me and let's send it out. Yeah. Come up with your idea. Yeah, definitely. And get your guys to edit it. Absolutely. This is about saving time, saving money, um, being able to pivot your ideas to suit suit the listener. It's about being continuous, repetition, and I guess also it's, they're making people feel like they're connected. Mm. And connection, as you said, right at the very beginning, one dinner a year is not fucking enough. No, It's daily, and it's about asking questions. And
1: that's the beauty with video as well, and what I was what I was talking about with your team. It's not just top-down. Give your team a chance to be heard. Nothing, especially when you're talking brokers as well, there's nothing more powerful than having them uh, see themselves on camera and get the views and get the likes and get out there themselves. They They absolutely love that everyone loves that that's the reality
0: mike you you know i'll be honest with you you asked me a question but you know the answer
1: more video to sell video yeah
0: but you do it yeah no, I like it. that. you tell it and yeah. you might need to do three or four of them but and uh, I, I i would happily look at it i mean i, I think what you're doing is brilliant thanks. um I, I love it and uh mike from schuster thanks very much thank you very much for having me on board <laughs>